Morning Sports Desk. This is the Morning Sports Desk for Friday, August 5th. All right, well, uh, as we uh, mentioned a little bit earlier, it has not been a great day for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, well, it wasn't a great night last night, I should say. Uh, you know, who? what What dummy went in yesterday and talked about how this Twins bullpen is going to be so much better? What dummy was here 24 hours ago standing in this very same spot telling you that the Twins bullpen was going to turn a corner? Uh, it couldn't have been me, I swear. Uh, but... Here's the deal. I'm I'm not going to call it really the Twins bullpen uh, because they basically opted to go with their B squad bullpen yesterday. Now, we talked about the Twins' main five guys with Lopez, Duran, uh, Jax, Theobar, and Fulmer. Those seem to be the Twins' main five guys. The Twins went with like Moran yesterday, uh, Giovanni Moran. They went with Emilio Pagan, Tyler Duffy. And yeah, that went about as well as you can expect. Here's the thing. With with uh, getting all these extra guys, I talked about how you can minimize the role of Emilio Pagan and Tyler Duffy when they're doing bad. And you can just basically try and do damage control and put them in spots where they don't necessarily really have to hold on to a lead for you. The only problem is uh, that's exactly what the Twins did yesterday. So... I don't know. People always want to blame Rocco Baldelli for every loss and for every bad pitching move. And I mean, there's criticism for sure to go around. I think if you're going to blame the manager, you also have to blame the front office. Because as me and Corey have mentioned on this program before, is that the Twins, when they make moves, they uh, when they make uh, when they make a bullpen move or a move to the bullpen, it's something that's talked about well in advance. Like they sit down before the game, heck, even probably during the week, and they sit there and they go, okay, against this team, here are the pitchers we want to try and use. Here's the game plan. Uh, For sure, he comes into every game saying, here's our game plan. Gray pitches five innings, then we're going to bring in this guy in the sixth, and this guy in the seventh, and this guy in the eighth, and this guy in the ninth. There's no kind of gut feeling, and every manager throughout time has kind of had the general idea, but now so in modern baseball teams have stuck by it. And you saw the Twins gotten burned by this yesterday. Uh, is the fact of they brought Emilio Pagan in a one nothing game into pitch in the sixth inning. And he immediately proceeded to give up three runs and then it was just all downhill from there as Moran gave up a run and then gave up, and then Duffy just blew the whole thing wide open. So it wasn't an ideal day for Twins baseball last night and not an ideal night for pitching moves. Because they let, that's a game that the Twins, it's hard to tell. It's not, I'm not, they gave them nine runs. I'm not going to say, oh my gosh, that's a game they should have won. But the only reason they put themselves in that bad of a spot was because of the bullpen and the moves that they made after Sonny Gray. Now, Twins fans get really mad at, at pitchers getting pulled after the fifth inning. And I get it. I want a guy to go six, seven innings. I do. I, but the thing with modern baseball is that Teams are more opt, and we talked about this other times on the program, to pull pitchers earlier because they want to get them out of the way before hitters can really see them a third, even a fourth time through the order because the statistically the hitters have a better advantage. Uh, I'm okay with pulling Sonny Gray 
especially after the day he had. He only gave up one hit, yes, but he had five walks. So essentially, if you include a walk the same as a hit, he gave up six base runners. And he had a couple jams to work out of throughout the game, including a bases loaded jam in the fourth, and that, or in the fifth, and then also... Uh, multiple runners in scoring position in the first inning. So it's not like he was smooth sailing. I don't necessarily hate the move to pull uh, Sonny Gray in that situation. What I do have a problem with, though, is bringing Emilio Pagan in any sort of meaningful appearance. Now, I get it. Even though the Twins have five bullpen arms that they love to use, the problem is when you only tell your starters they're going five innings, you have to rely on an extra arm or two to pull through. And the Twins, using those same guys every day, they relief pitchers can't pitch every day. They can pitch rarely on back-to-back days, but for sure not back-to-back-to-back. And this is a four-game series you have with Toronto. You have to kind of manage your arms. I get the whole deal of why... I get the theory behind putting Emilio Pagan in the game in the sixth inning, but I don't understand why you would do it in practice. Because he immediately came in and blew the lead. There was no... I think he got one out before just giving up a moonshot to the third deck. So, like, I, he's not good. He hasn't been good all year. Despite, I had smart twin, again, I've talked about this, and this is more just a personal gripe. I've had smart twins fans, and I'm putting the smart in air quotes, telling me all season, oh, Emilio Pagan is actually really good. He just had, like, a bad week, and he's actually been fine, and don't worry about it. And, I mean, I just, there's a there's a line between stats and eyeballing and you kind of have to meet in the middle to really find that that where where it is because statistics cover a lot of areas that your eyes can't and your eyes can cover some areas that stats can't. You put them together and you say that Emilio Pagan shouldn't touch the baseball when the Twins are winning by less than 3 runs in a game. So that's the thing. But when you have a bulb, you still have those five top guys as we talked about, but you can't rely on them every single night, especially when you're requiring the bullpen to pitch the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth innings every single game. So you had to kind of reserve your bullpen, and I, and that's how Pagan came in. But man, this, the Twins JV bullpen was not good, and this Toronto lineup will make you pay. And that's another thing I want to transition to, because I spent a good five, six minutes here ragging on the bullpen, and I, Wish I had more time because I'd want to spend a little bit of time ragging on the Twins offense a little bit. The Twins have a playoff caliber lineup when everything is put together. When the ABC lineup is clicking of Arise, Buxton, Correa, and then when you have Jose Miranda, who's been the Twins' best hitter over the last month, he's been doing really well. He's a nice, solid guy to put maybe at a five or six hole. And then you also have, when healthy, Kirilov and Larnick, and they kind of round out your team a little more. A healthy Max Kepler might help as well. The problem is the Twins don't really have a healthy outfield. Byron Buxton's been battling a little bit of a knee issue, so he's basically been relegated to DH duty, which means that Nick Gordon's been playing center field, Max Kepler's hurt, which means Jake Cave has been playing some right field, and Alex Kirilov is hurt, which means Mark Contreras is also playing in the outfield. So you're already in a you're already down basically three of your starters in that situation. So it's not ideal for the Twins to kind of be in that spot. I get they're a little banged up, but that's not an excuse. This Twins lineup is still, when you look at the top half of it, this is still a team that should be making a little bit more noise than they are. If you look at overall runs, how many runs the Twins have scored in the last month. So today's August 5th. I go back to July 5th. 
The Twins are 21st in baseball with 103 runs. For contrast, the Yankees are number one with 164. But the Twins offense, over the last month, you know who scored more runs than the Twins? The Kansas City Royals. The Arizona Diamondbacks. Both of those teams are in last place in their divisions, and the Twins have scored less runs than them. Uh, It's just not been good. Uh, For contrast, Cleveland is 6th in the league, and Chicago is 7th, the White Sox are. Both have scored 125 runs over the last month. And if this Twins lineup needs to, if they want to get going, they need to convert more with runners in scoring position. They have to figure out a way to score more runs. This team hasn't necessarily been striking out a lot, and as I double-check the numbers here to make sure I prove myself, they're actually 20th. Uh, in terms of strikeout rate, so which means they're doing really well. Like, they're not striking out a lot. They're doing well at putting the ball in play. They're just not finding the open guy. They're not uh, finding the open spot in the field. They're not finding the right way to hit that ball. It's a little bit unlucky, maybe, is what you want to call it. I don't know. Either way, this Twins offense is struggling. Even the Luis Arise is in a funk. And when Luis Arise is in a funk, you know that uh, things aren't going super well for the hometown nine. So... Again, I understand the offense is hurt and you're kind of using some guys you don't really want to use like Mark Contreras, like starting Nick Gordon every day, like putting Jake Cave in there. I get it, but they st- it's not an excuse. You're in a playoff race. You still need to find ways to win ball games. Luckily, the AL Central is just a mess, so the Twins still have a chance to win it, but they need to figure out a way to win some ball games in a hurry. This is a good Toronto Blue Jays team. This could be a potential playoff matchup in the first round for the Twins, so they really have to try and figure some things out in a hurry to try and hold on to this AL Central lead. One last thing I want to talk about with the Minnesota Vikings is that uh, read during the sports report was that the Vikings are interested in defensive tackle Ndamukong Sue. Now, of course, we all remember him about 10 years ago when he was making his name as the big, tough, chippy defensive tackle, dirty really, for the Detroit Lions, but he did give them an edge. He kind of gave them a bit of a, you know, he had some bonehead plays, but you can't deny that he did give them an identity, a little bit of a bruiser mentality. Either way, he's kind of ditched that dirtiness since he's left and went to Miami, and then now he's on, and then he was on, uh, he was on Los Angeles, and then he was on Tampa Bay. So he's kind of bounced around a few different teams. Uh, So, He's still available. He obviously wants a little bit more money than what the Vikings can pay. The Vikings essentially have no money. They don't have a lot of money in the salary cap. So I don't know if Ndamukong Sue really is going to work. I don't know if he's holding out to see if a team like the Raiders comes to call in. There's a couple reasons why some vets don't sign right now. One is they don't want to go to training camp. And two is they're kind of waiting until some team that they really want to go to has an injury at a certain spot and then they go over there. But... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the Vikings do with Sue. I don't really have an opinion. Uh, it kind of seems like if they're still interested, then they might not be super confident in what they have at their defensive tackle. They are, remember, switching to a 3-4 defense instead of a 4-3. The Namikin Sue is typically a 3-4 defensive tackle, which would fit what they want to do. But I don't know. Does that mean that you're not confident in Dalvin Tomlinson, who's your defensive tackle? Are you not confident with what's behind him? Uh, what's going on with that? So it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening. My guess is Sue doesn't sign with the Vikings just because of money. 
and just he you know if he really wanted to come here it probably would have happened by now so i don't think it'll happen but you never know we'll have to see this has been the morning sports desk for friday august 5th here's the lowdown on lowering bad cholesterol from lecvio Lowering bad cholesterol is hard, but you could do hard. You live through five fad diets, 11 sleep training nights, nine mediocre middle school recitals, one heart attack. And with Lectio, you can lower your bad cholesterol and keep it low with two doses a year after two starter doses. Prescription Lectio in glycerin is given by a doctor for people with known heart disease on a statin with diet who need more help lowering bad cholesterol. Common side effects were injection site reaction, joint pain, urinary tract infection, diarrhea, chest cold, pain in legs or arms, and shortness of breath. Results may vary. Learn more at Lectio.com. Or call 1-833-537-8462. Ask your doctor about Lecvio. That's L-E-Q-V-I-O. Lower, longer, Lecvio. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.